Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. Today we will be discussing all the news from New York Comic Con. And the Short Treks Q&A and the trouble with Edward. And then we will be discussing our recent trip to Star Trek Ticonderoga Set Tour. We will, and you are? I am Ethan. And I am Kevin. Alright. So, um, so it's been a while... Uh, New York Comic Con was like I feel like almost a month ago. <laughs> I think that's well, not true. A, no, not a month ago. It was a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it feels like it was longer than that. And so we never really got a chance to discuss our thoughts on it. We began to on the ride up to the Star Trek set tour, but I just felt like it was. Well, we did record a podcast for you while driving to the Star Trek. But it didn't. It wasn't. Really, it wasn't really working good. You were too focused on the road, and I was trying not to crash. Yeah, try not to hit a deer. Kevin is a perfectionist. So yes. here we are. So the uh, so the news that dropped out of New York Comic Con firstly was the panel began with Discovery season three. And we actually got to see a trailer for season three, which I was not expecting, albeit short as it was. Mm -hmm. Um how are you feeling about the direction that they are heading in with this? Well, I will quote my wife who I watched the trailer with, who said, um, oh, this looks like a generic sci-fi movie. Which I yeah, can sort of see yeah, that. Yeah, some of Although we did see Andorians, which made me very happy. A generic sci-fi movie populated with Star Trek characters, is that what you're saying? Star Trek aliens, I knew characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm on a wait-and-see. I'm doing a wait-and-see approach, because... I, I feel not burned by season two, but... You, so you're saying like you're cautiously optimistic? I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I don't see any benefit to it being in the future. It's sort of interesting to see, but from what I saw in the trailer, I, this is speculation, but I don't expect it's going to be all that interesting from a long-time Star Trek-watching standpoint, because I don't think we're going to get a lot of... What happened in the intervening years... Which is the interesting part, I think. How did the Federation fall? What happened in a thousand years? Yes. Well, Burnham's talking to some character who seems to be wanting to preserve the Federation. We, he shows the Federation flag. And I think the characters are going to need to know what happened. So the characters are sort of, we're, the characters are sort of in the same uh, almost predicament as the audience is. We don't, we don't know what happened. They don't know what happened. So I assume there's going to have to be somebody to explain to them what actually took place. Now, could we? Would it be great to see uh, to see like a storyline in there someplace? Yes. Yeah, I feel that no matter what amount of detail, something they is going to have to be explained. No matter what amount of detail they explain it with, I'm mm -hmm. gonna. F I, f I expect to feel disappointed because. I would love to see a show about the fall of the Federation. Yeah, just rather like, than just like we'd like to see a Star Wars movie about the yes. end of as we were just discussing before. Yes, how, after Jedi, how did they build the yeah. Republic? What was the well, government like? What was the system? What was building the Senate you, back? I mean, you could you you could potentially get a short trick out of it. Maybe will we? Who knows? But it would be disappointing to get a whole fifteen minute I, episode about the fall of I think it all. I think it all. Uh, I think it's just going to all depend on how much is explained because we don't know. Yeah, this so we don't know. At all. But so the things that we did see was um they're in the future. Um yeah. Burnham's in black sand. Right. Things and, like that. But we did see some familiar aliens. We saw the Andorians, we saw Cardassians. Uh huh. And um we saw I wish you got the name of the species. 
but the species of alien that Morn from DS9 is. And we saw some Trill. So there's a lot of DS9 stuff in there. And yeah. um, I know that Kurtzman had said someplace um, that they're going to spend a lot of time on the Trill homeworld. Interesting. In this, in this. So I'm very curious about the sort of Mega Man approach that they have, where they have like blasters attached to their arms as they show <laughs> Mega Man. Yeah, it looks like a Mega. It looks like a Mega Man yes. arm cannon. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for it because I'm. I want to see what the world is like by the time they get to where they are. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what, yeah, what they find when they get there. As is, I think everybody. But that's what that's where my head is. With the show, with it currently, and that's why I get a little bit more excited. Excuse me for drawing comparisons. I get more excited for this than Picard. There's more unknowns. There's more possibilities here that I'm that I personally am more interested in. Yeah, I get that. I still feel that after well, we talked about this a bunch, but after how season two ended, yes, my confidence yeah. in the team is dwindling i so i'm willing to go once more and give them the benefit of the doubt only because when you and this is not making an excuse don't misunderstand me as much as we were disappointed by the way season two went they did have a lot of some showrunner chaos going on and i think that really sort of left its mark on the show that happened midway into the season the whole thing hadn't even been mapped out yet when the whole shakeup took place. So at this point they have Michelle Paradise running the show now and she already said at the panel they have the whole thing laid out. So unless she somehow disappears mid midway into the season. Yeah, well know, they're, they're, I'm, it's a pattern. I'm willing to give them different reasons but right, consistent. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And also I have to I have to throw it back to the older Trek shows. I mean you know, where the hell was Next Generation or Deep Space Nine after two seasons? I mean... Yeah, but we've talked about how this is a different era of television. It's a different era of television, but I don't think I don't think that's relevant. I just think it's more about you... It's about you watching the show at that time. Where the show in its history is. It's not about... I don't think it's about the time we are in, t- in television. I don't know. I found plenty of shows, though, that because aren't well, Star Trek that didn't need that. Next Battlestar Galactica. Next Generation is... Arguably, I would even actually I wouldn't even say arguably. Next Generation mm. is the most popular Trek show and probably the most beloved Trek show. That show had its issues in the first two seasons. They they had the same turnaround with showrunners, and the show never didn't really find its footing until season three. Yes, but how many on. total episodes did they have? More. But how many roughly? About fifty-two. No, that's not true. About. The whole show. High 40s. Oh, the whole show? Yeah. Uh, 178. Okay, so the percentage of ones is like... the amount. Of first of all, it's already like five times as many the shows am- as they have now. The amount of episodes that we have in Discovery right now equates to one season of any of the other shows. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so that maybe means more... And it, it, look, it's not a matter of time. It's not a matter of volume, right? It's just... I'm... Trek shows notoriously have to take some time to find their footing and I get it. Discovery is no, I discovery is no different. I get it. You know, it's Trek. We all love it. We want it to do well. I just think that 
you're you're cautiously optimistic and you're not writing it off, so that's fine. No, 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 I'm definitely yeah. yeah. But the thing is, what is it about Star Trek shows? Because now we have had it's a totally different. No one, I don't believe it's a single person mm. that's the same from those the, well the '90s, '80s, '90s era to now. I'm only going so this is not like hard data. Forget mm-hmm. the pun. Uh, oh, hard data, right? <laughs> that's um, gross. I gross. <laughs> pornography film i'm sure one exists um i'm only going by consensus right when you when i talk to fans and when i talk to fans in the community it's like whenever they mention their favorite episodes of various shows they never mention the first few seasons and in well, fact yeah. they always sort of agree like yeah next generation doesn't get good until season three ds9 doesn't get good until season three I voyager agree. The irony of it all is that the original series started off strong and then just <laughs> went the other way, just gradually, right. as the seasons went on, got, you know. Yeah, so I just... But I, but I get, you're just, you're burned because of what happened. I'm a little bit I, burned. I, I, guess, I get it, I understand. We got, we were so invested and then we were so let down. It's a feeling from last season. Right. Well, I I, I think the way it comes off season two, I don't, we're not going to get into this whole season two recap. No, no, We no. did it like three times already, but I think the way it came <laughs> off was just that these producers had a plan. They got let go. Somebody came in, had to sort of figure this out, take it up from them. Basically, hand they were, it was handed off to them, and I don't think they did a good job resolving right. it as it was. Yes. So that's how it's in my mind. So hopefully that's this the is case. A... I don't know, but that's that's how it is in my head canon. But I'm willing to just... I want to put season two behind me. It gave us Captain Pike, as everybody knows I love. Oh, yeah. And we had a lot of episodes we liked and moments we liked. New Eden, again. So I'm... I want to forget about how... My resentment toward how it all went down and just focus yes. on the journey ahead. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yes. A I thousand just, years in the future. It sort of reminds me of... You, you know that I drag you to a lot of DC films when they come out. Yes. And I usually well, you tell attempt, you... You attempt to. Yes. But sometimes and I'm times, usually telling you, no, really, this is going to be the one. They've got to figure it out. Remember I said that before, Suicide Squad? Yeah. Uh, for some yeah. reason, I never will write off DC films. But I feel like I should have... But you're not an apologist. I should have gone in with this mindset, though. Each I mean, one... do I sound like an apologist? No, no, no. Yeah. And I mean, after I see it, I, I recognize when it's not good. But before, I'm always so optimistic. And I think I've... Maybe DC burned me enough that now I'm skeptical. Well, everything. But I mean, once they do a couple of things that are not great, I, I go well, with a little more... But you you had some success recently. I, mean, I remember I said to you, I don't really, I don't, <coughs> I don't really want to see Joker. We went and I loved it. I, I, I wanted to see it again after yes, it, right yes. after it ended. It was definitely interesting. And I liked Shazam. I liked Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, so Aquaman didn't... Don't do you, so before we move on to Picard, I mean, do you have any... Do you have any hopes for season three of Discovery? I, 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 you're going to be like, I'll make sure it's good writing or whatnot. But like, <laughs> is there anything within the lore that you're? Uh, I would like to see what is up the Andorians because they haven't gotten enough attention. Yeah. So it would be interesting if they had an empire now. I'd like to see that. I want to see what 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 fascinates me is just they've jumped so far ahead into the future. That I just can't wrap my mind around what we could possibly see, at least technologically. Right. And we've seen them with, like, again, in that short clip with, like, arm cannons. You know, they don't even have, like, hand weapons anymore. It's just it's your arm. But, like, you know, you're already... Trek, is, Trek already takes place in the future, and now you're jumping at that. What's more future than... 
Right. You well, know? so this is a thing that, and this is also goes to things that I don't want to see, but yeah. I hope that it's not a dark dystopia in the future. We've seen enough dark dystopias in sci-fi, and the fact that we watched Star Trek because so, Star Trek is a utopian vi- vision. It is. So if it has fallen and it has become a dark utopia, let I don't count, really want to up. see I'm, Trek dealing with dark dystopia. I'm kind of hoping it is, and here's why. They kind of hinted at this at the panel. If they arrive into the future and then everything has gone to hell, it's a dystopia, everything is a mess, what better way? How is it? Not, how Star Trek is it that when Discovery arrives, they are now sort of this beacon of hope, this beacon for change? And, you know, this person who Burnham is talking to in the trailer, who clear, who has a Federation flag, you know, I don't know what his story is. He may be somebody who longs for the days when the Federation was, you know, had a mission of hope and peace. And I think Discovery could be a representation of this is who we were. We need to be better. We know that we're better than this. Discover This crew of Discovery, where they came from, are a representation of who we once were. We need to be this way again. This is who we need to be. I like that idea. Will that be the case? I don't know. Plus, I mean, let's look at who the crew is right now. We've and that, got, that to me is true. Wait, well, hold on. We've got evil Giorgio. I don't know if she's going to be spreading hope and love. She's got to come back, doesn't We've she? We've got so? Burnham, who, yeah. I don't know, angsty is probably a yeah, word. That doesn't, that doesn't. That's something bad, though. Yeah, yeah. Saru. Saru's fine. Um, Saru's very hopeful for the crew. Did we lose Tilly? Is Tilly still there? No, we didn't lose Tilly. We didn't okay. lose anybody. Okay. People yeah. that we left stayed behind. <clears throat> right. Okay. People that we lost stayed behind. Right. Yeah. But nobody died. That's what you mean. Yeah. You have, you have Stamets. But, you have Culber. You have... True, but with Jet Reno. <laughs> Jet Reno is not spreading the hope and love either. No, but she's funny. So... I feel like they've lost their hope center, which was Pike now. So I feel like they're going to be looking for their own hope and optimism center. They, are, they I don't are, know if they'll be able to spread well, it right Think yet. about it. They're going to be a crew who's reeling from everything because they left everything that they loved, everybody that everything that was familiar behind. Mm. Their families are long gone well, the, at this point. They must have done it on purpose, though, because they didn't have to. Well, right, they know. Sorry, that. I'm just but, getting back into but they, two. but they're going to. This, I think, is clearly going. I hope this may take a toll on them, in some ways. So, I'm very into the idea of Discovery and her crew being this sort of beacon of hope. And I hope so. Um, <laughs> but you know, you could compare it to like how people were feeling, as controversial as this may sound, like when, like the 2008 presidential election like obama like had his whole campaign on like hope that was like his whole campaign slogan is he's a beacon of hope and for some he was a beacon of hope yeah right but who's their beacon of hope i think they are the people who are living in the utopia and don't like it and discovery is their beacon of hope got it yeah that's my hope i mean it'll be interesting to come back and listen to this a year from now and see if i was right how right or wrong yeah it was. yeah so um i think on that notion that's and they said that's kind of the they kind of hinted that that was the case at the panel, and I really, I really sparked to that because even though like you know Star Trek is not about being a dystopia, this crew is this beacon, is this hope yeah. for them. Yeah, I just right? think in sci-fi in general, it's like D- DS9 was the same thing. 
Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Here's the thing. We've seen so many visions of a horrible future yeah. done with incredible effects and technology. But I don't know that we've seen any visions of a utopian future done with the same amount of effects and whatnot. For some reason, as a people, we like to see horrible futures. It would be interesting to me if we find out that what happened in the future, if it is dystopia, is all the result of discovery leaving its time. Like it created this sort of... Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The classic... Yeah, time travel, right? Of any because as you because as, as you know, as any Star Trek show goes, whatever show focuses, whatever ship that show focuses on, at that time, that ship is the most important thing in the universe. It seems like, yeah. and I think it would be interesting to find out if what we see a thousand years in the future, I mean, as far ahead in the future as that may be, slowly became the result of them disappearing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just realized. I hope they grapple with if there are any Star Trek records left. If anyone wants to see like oh what happened to pike what happened to yeah spock and if they have some that's wrestling show, with that's like show. you don't want you don't want to know you shouldn't look at it or people looking at it that, would be that show can tell us how picard ends yeah they can tell us how everything ends yep that show can spoil picard for us so yeah so i the next 20 shows probably <laughs> i saw this i think i tweeted it. i saw this great meme it just reminded me it's from the ending of back to the future when doc comes Saying, you know, you've got to come back with me. Yeah. So Doc arrives and he says to Marty, like, I've just come back from 2030. Alex Kurtzman is still teasing a Pike series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, so um, on that note, so uh, Picard. Yes. Obviously, we are much closer to Picard because that's coming in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a sense that we've already seen many trailers for it. So um, I'm far more optimistic spillic. about Picard mm-hmm. because... Well, I have no reason not to be because I haven't seen anything yet. Because it's, <laughs> so it's the perfect space before a show comes out. Oh, you can, you can be filled with all the optimism in the world. Right. Now, um, and it's Picard. It's Patrick Stewart. And right. We have to love Picard. We have to love Patrick Stewart. He's such a good actor. Mm. He can make, he can turn any scene into gold. And we've seen him do it on Next mm. Generation so many times where he's just in a shuttle pod awkwardly having a conversation with a guy. Yep. And it's still acting gold. So I really like that. Um, and uh, I, I, as I've mentioned a couple times, this writer, Michael Chabon, who yep. I've watched another series of his called uh, Unbelievable, about like rape detectives. And it was great interviews with him, by the way. Incredible show. A great interview series with him happening on StarTrek.com right now. Really? Yeah. Very Definitely worth checking out. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just a, he's a very good writer. He's um, so um, though I've seen many write, good writers of novels come mm. to like franchises and, and they can't. it doesn't quite work because there are a lot more powers than just the writer. There's, well, he did write that first short track, which we'll talk about. Yes. Yeah. There are a lot of um, you know they have a vision. Yep. Come up by a producer or something mm. of the idea for the show usually, and then the writer like fills in the dialogue and whatnot. So yeah. I don't know. I'm optimistic about that. Yeah. Um, I'm just excited to see Picard again, which is, you know, the point of it. And I don't think it's... Um, plus, we get to see a future that's close enough that what we see, we're going to be able to understand. Yeah. Because we can fill in the blanks between. Yep. So it's more relevant to us yeah. than... We're closer to that. And it's we're seeing characters that we've seen 
Yes. Already. We're kind and, of, it's almost like we're coming home. Yeah, and we know the state of the universe at the point when sort Next of. Gen ended. Sort of. So then... Nemesis, you mean. Yes. So yeah. this, it just makes sense. Yeah. It's going to make more sense. You can put me a thousand years ahead, I'm not going to be able to... There are still understand. many, many unknowns um, with that show in terms of, like, what the world is like, but... Yes. Um, yes. It's... When I watch the trail, when I watch both trailers for it, it's still... It's still a little difficult for me to kind of. It's like the it's like the season two thing of Discovery, right? Like it's getting it's difficult for me to sort of get a sense of what the show is about. It's clearly about like clearly focuses on some girl coming to him wanting help, but how the sort of Romulans and the Borg and the Seven of Nine and Hugh fit in, you know, it's like with season two of Discovery, like this is Red Angel thing. But I'm like, all right, so but where does Spock and sort of Section Thirty One yeah. fit into all of this? So it's um. It's 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 difficult to sort of factor that in. You know, is Seven of Nine, I think we were saying this in the write-up for the podcast we never used, is Seven of Nine, like, going to be... Am I feeling the same way about Seven of Nine's appearance, the same way you thought about the Red Angel? Is she just there for, like, one episode and that's it? Yeah. And, and she's I, not a member of the main cast. Right. Yeah, but it would seem weird to have her as, like, think about... And, then like, how does Data fit into all of or this? Or think like, about Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. You, have, you have Picard... Dropping off Cisco right. as passing the torch. I don't know if they would use Seven of Nine as the torch passer to Picard. That wouldn't make sense. No, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. she's there for a purpose, and I think it all has to do with the fact that this is somehow Borg related. Yeah. And Picard obviously suffered trauma from being made locutus, and so another person that has been assimilated would be mm. someone that he would. But he suffered trauma so long ago, and he out. encountered the Borg so many times since then, and he only. That trauma only came back to haunt him in first contact, and a little bit in Iborg. But, consider this. Hmm. Like a soldier that comes back home after being away at war, that's when yep. the effects really start to hit someone. No, I when get it. Back, when they're back in regular life. so I get it, but yeah. Picard didn't show really show his first signs of extreme trauma from his uh, experience with the Borg until first contact, Yeah, which was long after that episode. Yeah. He, it was hinted at a little bit in the episode with Hugh, I Borg, which is about a year and a half after that. But yeah, he had they the... encountered the Borg one more time in that, and, and there was no sign of any trauma whatsoever. Yeah. Well, yeah. post-traumatic stress is, you know, for, it, it, yeah. it uh, manifests itself in strange ways. I'm just saying, not to dismiss your theory, but that may not be the case. Yeah, it may not be. Yeah. I would find it weird if it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's just very traumatic. To but, like, bringing the Borg back is one thing, but then, like, to bring... Like, bringing Hugh back is totally random. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think... Here's what I think. Mm. They tried to go to the next level of data technology. Yep. They tried doing something with Borg, because we see that sort of amputated Borg. Yep. And so they gave, they finally gave someone the permission to, yep. to dissect data. Yep. So they're doing some... Stuff. Well, it's Data's shady. brother. It's not Data. It's his brother. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they let someone dissect him. Yeah. Be. Yep. Before. Yes. Before. Yep. Um. Yeah. Which also, as I'm saying it, <laughs> it I doesn't make like, sense. No, it makes sense, but it doesn't, still doesn't sound good. It's more like that idea of like, oh, really? We got to see this. Like dark, I think dark experimentation and hybrid th- things. Well, my my so my theory on this that. If I can sort of add on to it a little bit, mm-hmm. I think given the fact that the Romulan homeworld's destruction is going to factor into it, 
um, I feel like they they could be stuck technologically. And I think they may have found this derelict Borg vessel and just took control of it. And we're trying to maybe utilize their technology to sort of, you know, the thing that confused me most in the trailer was that we see a Romulan bird of prey in the, in the uh, trailer, but it's an original series one. Mm. Right. Like, yeah, why would it, that be it's, up there? it's cause you never, you never see those in next generation. You, they update the design for next generation. Right. And, like, it's what I would expect the Romulan Bird of Prey to look like if it made an appearance on Discovery or if they, like, remade the original series. Like, oh, yeah. it, that you know, it maintains its look, but it, they just modernize it a little bit for, you know. Yeah. So well, maybe the main fleet was destroyed and all they had was... Somebody had said that, too. But, it, but the thing is, while the loss of the Romulan capital obviously is a big deal, it's an empire. They must have other mm. planets. So my assumption, my, my guess is that when the Rom- when the Romulan capital is destroyed, there could be this like almost power struggle between the remaining colonies. Like, okay, well, who's who now becomes who's in command of all of this? Right. And they may be sort of like fighting amongst each and other. And then the to... other interesting thing is when you have an empire and you're controlling other people's lands. Yeah. When the main part of the empire goes down, then those people are in a good position to fight and take back their place. That could they... that have happened at the end of Return of the Jedi? Is that the movie we want to see? <laughs> Because you have to assume that's probably what happened at the end of that, right? When the Galactic Empire fell, that they you had maybe people plans that uh, they took over. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, just because and the history leader dies, is, and history has shown us that that's been the case. Yeah, Japanese islands. You have people still fighting later. They wouldn't surrender. Yep. I'm sure the Empire would have had that too. We yeah. Really so took a turn here. that in and, that in and of itself, I think that in and of itself fascinates me. You're on in Star um, Trek, in Star Wars, we trust right now. Will that be the Will that be the case though? Because to your point, Kurtzman still runs everything. Yeah. 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 Now, what was this rumor? I know we don't like to peddle in these nonsensical and, and silly rumors. But, but we will. But I'm not peddling it. I'm asking you if there's any legitimacy to this rumor that Kurtzman has been given more of like a overseer role than a direct role in the developing of the series. So... Or did he take that's, them some power taken away? That's not really a rumor. That's how it is, because as the TV empire, as it is, grows, I think he's, I think he is still sort of, I think he's most directly involved with Discovery, but he, because the other, because we're, it's expanding and we're getting more shows, he can't divide his time to work on all of them, so he's sort of the overseer of, it's kind of like back in, so back in the old days when Rick Berman ran the franchise. Mm-hmm. Even though he created Deep Space Nine, he was largely uninvolved in it from the day to day. That's right. why that show, Ira Bear, was the showrunner of that show. Yeah. Even though Berman was sort of the overseer of the franchise, he stayed mostly, he stayed with Voyager and the films. Mm-hmm. Arguably, that's why people say DS9 is so good, because it didn't, wasn't direct, he wasn't directly involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, Kurtzman is kind of in a similar, in a similar situation. So, he's, he's overseer of the TV franchise. And the, and he's most directly involved with Discovery because he's also the co-creator of that show too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not just Brian Fuller. He Kurtzman is the co-creator. So is he of co-creator of Picard? No. Okay, who are the co-creators? So. Who are the creators of Picard? Actually, I don't know. Actually, okay. I don't think that's the case. We'll I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Um, but when it's he's not the co-creator of, of Lower Decks, right? My bad. So. Okay. When it is these kind of franchises, though, sometimes that doesn't mean what we think it means. Right. 
Yeah. So it's tough to tell. You mentioned Ira Baronish reminded me of something. I've been watching the show Outlander, which is Ron Moore's current show, and uh, yeah. I watched an episode the other day, and Ira Bear wrote it. I saw a little notice at the end. I was um, surprised to see that. That's a recent show, right? That's on the air right Yeah, now. it's on right now. It's pretty good. Um, it's a little, you know, it's different kind of genre. But so, yeah, I mean, again, I'm excited for Picard 2, um, but... Uh, what I was the point I was trying to articulate on our write up there, which I don't feel like I was doing a good job of it, and I'm gonna try, I'm gonna attempt it again, but I don't think I'm gonna succeed. I, again, I'm very excited for it, but Picard is a show that clearly is banking on nostalgia, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, because we see Jean Luc, we see Riker, we see Troy, we see Seven Nine, we see Q, we see all these all these familiar things. Like, oh great, it's like so it's like coming home again, mm. and that's fine. I'm more excited for new things with Discovery in it and just going into this brand new world and new direction. Yeah. But also, so I will then, say this. Wait, wait. So then you must be against, not against, but... Because you can't have a show about Picard without it being nostalgia, right? Like, is there a way they could have done Picard that wouldn't be nostalgic to you? Or banking on nostalgia? Well, no. I mean, it's in the name. Picard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so... Because yeah. um, I think it makes sense, obviously, that we're going to see these characters. He's close to them. But that's the thing. It's expected that we will see Riker and Troy and people attached to the next generation just because there is former crewmates. So it's expected that, that's, that that will be the case. What I think was not expected was seeing Seven of Nine because she was not a cast member of the next generation. They had no connection. Had no connection. Year. Which that's what I think that's interesting. And I think what happens is people get too potentially wrapped up in the whole idea that like oh well deep space nine took place at this time voyager took place at that time so we could see characters from those shows too so i want to see now don't get me wrong if he went to ds9 awesome but that's it would have to make that's not why i'm watching that's no. not it would have to make sense right which is why i think wise. seeing seeing the enterprise crew characters makes sense they were very close that makes so sense. if he's in trouble of course he's going to reach out to right Riker. And because of the board connection, I think seven and nine makes sense. Yep. And it could be interesting. But yeah, if they start, I, if they start putting in all this crazy stuff, it can't. It can't be the Star Trek reunion. And look, many fans would be happy with that to see people yeah. from other shows, just because Picard's in a, in a unique position to bring on characters from three shows in total. Yeah, but that's dumb. It is dumb. We don't I'm need to also, see Wesley all grown up. I'm also not looking forward the one i'm also not happy that and again haven't seen the show so i'm, I'm making prejudgments and i'm so my opinion and my opinion may change also not a fan of the idea that when we recorded our all good things episode the week it was like the few days before the first real trailer came out that the show basically became what we ended up being what we were afraid it was going to be, which was Picard with a bunch of ragtag people. Yeah. Like Picard meets Firefly or something like that. And like, I know you keep going to that. Line. I keep going to that. And it's probably not the best, I it's probably not the best way. It's probably not the best way to do it. But like, <laughs> I don't love Firefly, but I like it. And like, that's, it's, I, I don't, I've seen that story trope so many times. Like, 
you know, Picard's got to go to Starfleet. They're not going to help him. So he goes to Riker, and then Riker's going to give him advice to do this. And then yeah. he's got to, he's, okay, well, i got to take matters in my own hands. And i got to, yeah. you know. It's like the retired detective. Exactly. Who the thing, and the police exactly. is like, stay like, out of this one, this Johnson. Is, this you don't is, want any part of this. Yeah. yeah. This is such a tired story idea. And, but I feel like for some reason, it almost seems like it's okay because, well, it's Picard. It's fine. It's Patrick Stewart. He turns, as you say, anything into gold. I just, it's it's a new direction for the character. You know, will, will it work? Let's hope. Yeah, because we know him in the in the context of like duty, and so, duty and honor. Right. So to see him have to go outside of that and like question some of the stuff that he's done, and yeah. clearly he suffered some trauma, be it um the the situation with uh, the Romulans or something yeah. that has put him on the outs. And uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that actually could just hang out in his vineyard all day. If I sound like a hater up front, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. If I'm wrong, I will say I'm oh, wrong. Yeah. I will fully come forward and say, yep, I was wrong. The show's great. I love it. Yeah. Right? But I see For now, yeah. I'm... Yeah. I see your concerns. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I explained it that way when we were recording on the way. Because when I we were recording up there... I didn't because I, I was failing because I knew because bef- I said it before that we before we left and I felt like I did a really good job and I was trying oh, to re- okay. I was trying to recapture that in the car and I, I couldn't remember what I was yeah. saying. I remember you saying banking on nostalgia and whatnot and yeah I get that but I also but don't... we're in this world of nostalgia anyway so but it's I don't know it yeah it's but, but it's can it's... you can you tell stories with the same characters without it being quote unquote banking on nostalgia? but the thing is that's the question. When you deal with somebody like Christopher Pike, even though that is nostalgia, I still would argue it's different because that's a character we didn't know anything about. Might as well be a new character. Might as well be a new character. Yeah, but what's so that means that if we love a character, we can never return to them, or else it's banking on nostalgia, quote unquote. No, I wouldn't say that. Which seems sad. No, because just because we know things about Jean Luc doesn't mean we shouldn't have no more about him later. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Don't throw John Luke away. John Luke could be like, uh, you know, just like Hulk can't get his own movies, so they 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 make him, they bring him on to do other shows, and you know, do it that way. (laughs) They pick him up on their way to the future (laughs) in Discovery, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Which actually begs the question, because I've seen it theorized online. By the time you get to the Picard, is has Discovery been declassified? Do people know about it at this point? Right. Yeah. Or you're going to see someone, he's going to be, when he goes to visit the Star Fleet, someone in the background is going to say Discovery, and you're going to see two security guards come and haul him off to jail. <laughs> show, show ends. <laughs> show ends. Um, so, the, but they did do something in the trailer that I thought was really cool. So, there's a brief shot in the trailer of them showing uh, San, uh, the Picard trailer. They show San Francisco, mm-hmm. where Starfleet is. It's the same shot they use in the season finale of Discovery before they cut to Starfleet headquarters to, like, tell them, you know. But it's the same shot. It's the same exact shot, mm. but in Picard's time, they add a bunch of more buildings. Oh, yeah. Because at first, I'm like, why did they just recycle the same? And I'm like, well, it's for a trip. But upon closer examination, they added more to That's make fun. it... Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I hope they would slow down development. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah. W- again, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about I am Picard. excited for it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but as sacrilegious as this may sound, Picard was never my favorite captain. So yeah, that's weird. I'm a Kirk. <laughs> no, it's not weird. I'm a Kirk kept. I'm a Kirk it. fan, dude. It's usually between. It. I've noticed it's usually between Picard and Cisco, mostly. Yeah, nobody wants to admit that they're a Kirk. 
So I commend you. Kirk's for the old, for like old people or something. Yeah, like he's that. very like, like but he's, look, he's, I he's toxic masculinity. Exactly. And um, because it yeah. used to be Kirk, because it used to be in the old days, you know, Kirk versus Picard. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, he's not really toxic masculinity. Sometimes. He's a product of the sixties. Yeah. He's a product of the time. Yeah, and he certainly wasn't a horrible offender of the time. You know? Right. Um, he was. But, no, he was no Archie Bunker. Put but, it that way. but 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 but. Um, my favorite captain has now turned over to I know Pike. Pike. I'm a Pike fanboy, dude. He's good. He's great. He's amazing. He's good. He's good but let he's... me let me tell you let me tell you how I describe Pike okay. Ensign Mount's portrayal of Pike to people who don't who are not familiar with him. Yeah. I say what he what Pike is he is a combination of all the best qualities of Kirk. And Picard, I agree as well. And as well as he brings his own, but he's got, he's got Kirk's kind of like almost swagger, but he's got Picard's ethics. Yeah, he's got Picard's managerial style. He does, which is like I want to hear from everybody. Duty, wanna, yeah, and duty and honor. Yeah, and, but yeah. I love how he like he, he wants to get everyone's opinion. He wants to make yep. sure that everyone feels like they're part of the decisions. He wants everyone to understand why he's doing the things he does, so that he has yep. them on his side. Yep. All that stuff, I love. And that is very Picard. If I was in Starfleet, put me out serving to that guy. I'd take Picard. No, Picard's kind of cold. He was cold at first. Yeah. In the first few seasons. I mean, he didn't in play... In the first two seasons. He didn't play cards with them until... I know. The you, end you'd think he would thing. because... You'd think he would because that word's in his name. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Um, Woo! That's good. So, Lee, so, that's a good segue into the first short trick. It is indeed. Q&A. Written by uh, Michael Chabon, who is the showrunner of Picard. Yes. Chabon or Chabon, I don't even know. We don't know yet, um, but we'll find out by the time by the next episode. <clears throat> so he, yeah, he wrote this one. So mm-hmm. Q and A is all about Spock's first day on the Enterprise as an ensign, and um, it is a bottle episode. It is a bottle episode, and it takes place in a trip lift. Um, I. So many, so many things to say about it. I love the fact that, you know, we this is this is some character lore that we don't know anything about. Again, Spock's first day aboard the Enterprise, and I love the fact that he kind of is almost taken under the wing of Number One. Like it, she was a big, in other words, like her being a big influence on who Spock became. Oh yeah, which I thought was really cool. I can see that. Yeah, and yeah. I think it makes sense because she knows that. Um... She has a very good relationship with Pike. Pike yeah. trusts Spock a lot. Yeah. So it... Oh, wait. No, this is before, though. This okay. is first day. Yeah, yeah, yeah first day. Yeah. But you see, like, Pike, or um, Spock and number one, they're definitely like-minded. Yes. Which I, which I, just, which I just thought was awesome. Yeah. Because it's like... Because that's something you have to figure out, right? Like, you see number one and Spock in the cage, but they don't really... And you don't really see them interact much in season two of Discovery, so it's like, what is really what is the relationship between the two of them? This mm. this episode really kind of like an unspoken exactly. trust and and this episode is really the one to sort of to kind of really explore that because it was in a position to do so, and it was just again, it was purely just a character piece. It was just yes, which that's what I love, and that's what yeah. I'm hoping against hope that Michael Cherbon is going to bring to the show, yeah. which we both felt was lacking with right. those. Spend some moments on character. Right. Develop character. Develop the relationships. Don't develop a character just to kill them. 
or things like that. Looking at you, Arium. Yes, but you liked Arium, and then yeah, she was gone. Yeah. So. So then we didn't. Yeah, like if the characters, if we don't care about the characters, then none of it, the rest of it matters. No. And if and, you kill a character we don't know, right. that doesn't have any effect. And that was the rule on Next Generation. They, like, they would come up with this idea, and the lead writer at the time, Michael Pillar, was his name, mm. who cr- went on to create DS9, co-create DS9 and Voyager, said, "Okay, this is great, but what's the character story here?" Yes. Yeah. That what we all focused. I mean, they focused on Michael, of course, but everything else seemed to more serve Michael, like plot for Michael. Right. Right. So I'm glad to um, see that this is character focused. I liked the dialogues, sort of, basically. Mm. Um, I have a theory as to why they were singing uh, I Am the Very Model of a Modern well, before you tell General. us that, Before you tell us that, just one other observation to make. So, Well, two observations to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, Ethan, when Spock came aboard, Ethan Peck was shouting the lines, which was a clear nod to the way Spock was in the cage and the early episodes of TOS. Ah. Spock used to, and that was something I feel like kind of may have bypassed a little bit, but he was, he, in the first few episodes, he yelled a lot. Because mm, I think it was, it was clearly, you could tell that it was Leonard Nimoy trying to figure out what is this how to, alien all about? What, how to portray this character. The other thing, maybe he was, maybe actually he was just nervous being there. So he's just, maybe. he's nervous thing, he yells. The other thing, which I really liked was, so this episode, the music in this episode was composed by Michael Giacchino. Who did the movie? Who did the music for the Abrams films? Yeah, and he also did um, Lost and a bunch of other shows. Rogue One. So when they cut to that scene, which I fucking hate, and he's doing the the Batman, the next Batman film. When they cut to that scene, which I really fucking hate, What's when they show mean? the they show the inner workings of the Turbolift <laughs> network, which yeah. I just hate because it just doesn't. That, okay. Yeah. Just for one second. I agree. I never complain about anything like that in Trek. <laughs> but this is just the... Never. This is the yeah. one thing I complain... Because it's just... I, I can't wrap my head around it. It makes no sense. Why is there a big, empty... Yes! Cavernous... Right. Now I thought to myself, is this, like, And I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, I'm like, all right, is this maybe in the neck of the ship or something like that? Is this where all this is? That's where yeah, all the... Doesn't but make still. Because you don't see any connecting decks. Yeah, you figure in any spaceship, every square inch of space inside of it is going to be used. Well, again, at the same time, you figure like, well, okay, a turbo lift probably functions like an elevator, right? Yeah. The only difference is it goes left, it goes horizontal and vertical, and it yeah. probably goes faster, hence the word turbo. Unless it just said turbo because it sounded futuristic in the probably. 60s. But you have to assume that a ship is broken up like the way a building would be, where like, okay, if it goes up, it's just passing by the floors that the yes. passengers are not yes. getting off on. But you don't even see any connecting decks, so you're like, where the no. fuck is it going? So unless there's like some reason that right. the ship has to have I a think big it's just, hollow space in the middle, then I don't buy it. I think it's just... And in Discovery, they had shuttles in there. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is... I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's like a roller coaster in there. So, but when they cut to... So, when they cut to that shot, the music that they were playing, which, again, was done by Michael Giacchino, who did the Abrams films, um, it... Sounded very close to the, to a track from the first Abrams film called Enterprising Young Men, which is when they first, when the shuttle approaches the Enterprise and you see it for the first time. So it was only like, and it was, and I'm sure it was intentional. It was like one or two notes off from the sort of main theme of the Abrams Star Trek films, which I thought, which musically, which I thought was really cool. It sounded really oh, familiar. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. Well, one thing that he can it just do... means fans think now. Oh, that confirms it takes place in the Kelvin universe. Yeah. One thing that Giacchino does really well is he can 
mimic other people's style. Yeah. Like he did a very John Williamsy soundtrack for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And he's a so, chame- he's a chameleon, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And yeah. I really hope that when he does the Batman, he does a Danny Elfman. 89 Batman style. But yeah. Who knows what he's going to do. Um, but it's in good hands, I guess. So what is your theory on why you think they sang okay. Gilbert and Sullivan? So first it's thing, not the first time in truck we've seen a Gilbert right. and Sullivan. So they sang Gilbert and Sullivan, and I thought, as we often do in, in Star Trek, we wonder, why is it that they only seem to like, you know, 17th to 20th century things? Yeah. Shakespeare. I assume there's some symbolism in there somewhere. It's Shakespeare really or it's, you know, show tunes. Yeah. Um, so, You've not experienced Shakespeare until you read it in the original Klingon. <laughs> Jackass. Um, <laughs> Me? No, no. The writer. Whoever wrote that. <laughs> um, so, the... What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing that's cool <laughs> is you that... stop and think about it for a second. <laughs> I did. Um, the only thing that made sense to me... Why would Spock, an alien... No, well, half alien, know this thing. There must be some sort of like tradition at, at Starfleet Academy where they have to do, you know how like fraternities or sororities have these weird traditions, like every year they do yeah. some stupid thing. Yeah. They must have to do some hazing ritual or something where they have to sing that damn song. That's why everyone in Starfleet knows it. Yeah, LaForge and LaForge sang it in the episode Disaster. He sang that exact song. And there was a, they didn't sing the same song in Insurrection, but it was definitely a Gilbert and Sullivan. Yes. So, yeah. so there must be a Gilbert and Sullivan fetish at Starfleet Academy. Because I remember Picard because they sing um, they sing a British tar in uh, Insurrection yeah. to distract Data. And I remember Picard says to Worf, do you know Gilbert and Sullivan? And Worf yeah. said, uh, no, sir, I've not had a chance to meet all the new crew members since I've been back. <laughs> that's right. That's a pretty silly yeah. joke. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that must, that's the only thing that makes sense. So it was just one of those weird moments where I saw something in my brain. Said, From HMS Pinafore's world. This doesn't make any sense. And then right. my brain came up with that and I, I thought it was okay. But is you, you're, you're much better at this than I am. Is there some sort of potential symbolism in there? Not that I know. No. Other than, you know, it's about duty and, service well so as it goes they i think that was done just to utilize rebecca romaine's talent because do you did you so oh i wasn't talking about this i was talking about somebody at work so apparently um when they were writing the episode they called her the writers and they said do you have any special talents because I, I guess they wanted to use her in some sort of weird offbeat way aside from just being number one and she's like well i sing gilbert and sullivan just Gilbert and they were like, "Okay, that's interesting." Uh, okay, and then they probably thought, oh, "And so wait, they decided to." It's already a tradition of Gilbert and Sullivan. They the decided Trek. to write that in. Apparently, she was thrilled about yeah. it. So, yeah. how was Peck's voice? I don't remember. I don't. It didn't stand out. So, <laughs> so it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think what that scene sort of serves as is because Spock laughed. He smiled and laughed. Mm. And after that, she was like, you know, you won't speak of this. Yeah. Ever so again. in other words, they need to keep their I think, command and persona. I think that was sort of the moment that kept Spock sort of in check. And yeah. sort of shaped the officer, like contributed to shaping the officer that he eventually would become. Because mm-hmm. if you remember when they go to the bridge, when he finally arrives on the bridge and they're looking out at that you know, beautiful, I think it was like a nebula on the screen or something like that. Um, Pike says to Spock, you know, do, uh, 
think he says, do Vulcans ever feel awe or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, Captain, but we tend to keep it to ourselves. Mm. Yeah, that was a good answer. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, and yeah. this is one of those things where we didn't need this. It was enough that we knew he was Vulcan. No, it That's was... That's all we needed, but it, I, I like... The, the episode, like again, fun. the episode is simply just a character character development character study on them and that that's that's all it is yeah it just adds a little tiny layer on the spock on the spock and number one yeah yeah i think it was well done i want more character pieces so it's great yeah um and then the other one the trouble with edward which brought <laughs> the trouble with edward back. so today yeah so so um, here's my thing it started off great the First, Enterprise warped in, Pike giving the log, well, and I'm yeah. like, oh. They could have Pike doing anything, and you think it's Star <laughs> No, but you know I want a Pike series, and I'm like, yes. I'm like, here it is. Yeah. I could have this every week. Captain's log, yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, it was, a couple things on it were tough for me. First was the actor playing Edward. Yeah. I can't think of his name, but I know him from the Bob's old Burgers. show. Bob's Do- in... in Dr. Katz, right. where he was played the son. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just hear Dr. Katz's mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. Um it was hard to get used to the tone at first because after Pike, that was his very the tone was very you know it was Pikey. He was very honorable and like respect between him and his yeah crew member, and she respected him, and it was a nice. She moment. was promoted to captain, and meanwhile she was like twelve. No, the actress <laughs> is actually thirty four. It seemed like she was twelve. The actress is thirty four, so there's that. So <laughs> then she gets over there, and it's like a wacky comedy. Yeah, the the char- it was very what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, it was very like the ca- I mean, I don't want to use this word, but yeah, the characters were very wacky. They were very they were very offbeat. They were very offbeat, non-trekky like characters. Yes, and yeah. I get the thinking was like, well, he's a scientist, so scientists can be quirky. Quirk, thank you. That's the word I wanted to use, quirky. Yeah, but just the whole tone of it was became. Yeah. Then the strange thing was, you then you mentioned how like, well, they're going to have an animated series that's going to be comedy. But the thing is, here we are. It goes from a scene with characters we know and the tone we're used to, mm. then to the same kind of sets, right? And the same uniforms, but suddenly the tone is more like a ABC but, sitcom. But you could ha- you could argue that's what happened in season one of Discovery. The first two episodes went from the track that we were used to. The rug got pulled out from under us and became something else. It became something else. I mean, what yeah. it did is up, you know. But its tone was never. I don't know. The tone was ne- never. No, the tone got dark. The tone got. Me. The tone got much darker. Yeah. 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 So anyway, the, once the focus I focus on the tonal shift. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. So yeah. once I adjusted into that, and then mm-hmm. I was able to adjust. It was, you know, it had some funny lines, and yeah, it was fine. You know, for me, the fine is like it's middle of the road. It's didn't, yeah, yeah. The the I thought it was really funny, and again, it wasn't. I don't think it. I, look, I think in places, yeah, maybe I tried a little too hard to be funny. But where Trek succeeds most with comedy comes out of the situation and not having funny lines. Yes, yes. Right? This felt like something where they had a story and then someone, like, they gave it to, like they do with scripts, they give it to comedians. Say, could you give a pass and add some jokes? Right. I kind of um, had that vibe. I laughed really hard when they were, like, talking in the mess hall and, like, that crew member came around the corner, like, vacuuming up the tribbles with a big thing on his back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That really made me laugh because it just, it was just so perfectly timed. Yeah. 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 
Um, it was interesting, and I kind of it was kind of funny too that everyone you know thinks he's so weird because he's like, oh yeah, we can eat them. Well, it's it's and it's it, interesting. It's a fun little bit of situational irony or dramatic irony because we know what well, we know that the other characters don't know yeah. is that tribbles are there are going to be so many of them you're going to want to eat they them multiply, or something. They multiply. They multiplied like horrifyingly fast. Yeah. Like, but what I thought was interesting was as soon as as soon as the episode ended, I was like. Oh my god, like, Trek just told a, did like a workplace, a workplace comedy, a workplace show. Yeah. A show about the workplace, like, yeah. you know, have we all, do we all, have we all worked with an Edward before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, you know. The dangers of the workplace. I like the, I'm all for experimentation, especially with these short tricks, so. Yeah. I wasn't offended by it. Right. It was just, I don't know, if they had a series that was all that tone, I don't know how it I don't know if I'd be that excited about it. Yeah. I I mean I enjoyed it. I I thought it was you know it was gave me some good it was some good some good laughs. But uh, I mean is it does it mean anything in the grand scheme of things? Not really. Yeah, but I mean, but that character actually seemed kind of cool, the captain. Yeah. I mean, had a great last line. He was an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what was up with that post credits moment. That was. I don't. <laughs> that was way off. That was actually better because that was so far out that it was just that was just funny. But like, I didn't get like, okay, why are you? Why is this? In, why is it a? Why is it a VHS? Why is it in a VCR? I don't get it. Yeah, it was clearly just a little fun little thing that didn't connect. Didn't we didn't have to think if it connected because it was so right. silly. Whereas right. the rest of it, because it's set in the same world, we have to think. Oh, I, I'm, I saw that and I was like, I, I don't know what this is, but okay. It was hilarious. It was funny, but what was I was the thing where, like, I don't. What was it like? Where we're impregnated with flavor. Yeah, that was a good line. Yeah. So then the question is, at the end of the trouble with tribbles, and they all spill out of the overhead compartment, what flavor of tribbles were those that fell on Kirk? I think they were. What was that like mesquite or something yeah. strange? Barbecue, I think. Something like that. Yeah, they were all there was fruity there. like cereal. The last one was yeah something very savory. Yeah. Like mesquite or barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do like raw muscle, like scallops. That was, that was where the hell did I hear this? I don't know where I heard it, but it, like, I think it was like the idea that like, you could easily turn that into a nightmare because like, if you, if you swallow a tribble, you don't digest it and it could still multiply within uh, your digestive and tract. And like alien. Just, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah, like you explode into tribbles. I guess you have to make sure they're dead. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And you, you just gotta feed them. them. You just gotta feed them grain. They seem to be gorged. It would have been funny if, like, when they left the ship, the captain said, "How many do we? How many tribbles are on board?" And it was the same number that appeared in the tribble tribbles. <laughs> One million seven hundred seventy-one thousand five hundred sixty-one. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of with you though. Like, yeah, it was it was fine. It was fun. It was fine. Yeah. But, like it. Experiments, great. Q and A added something to the lore. Added a layer to a to two character. Added some layers to two characters. This didn't. You know. Yes. Now who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us, and like how the discovery focused short tricks seem to have all fit in some way. Even though we thought the one set in the far future wouldn't, now it seems like oh maybe it does. So maybe there will be some connection, other than the fact that there are triples in it. Maybe yeah. this captain will become a character or something. Well, the Tribbles were repopulated on Deep Deep Space Nine, so... Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Fun, fun. fun. So to wrap up, the last thing to talk about is the 
Setor. Yes. Uh, up in Ticonderoga. Excuse me. So, yeah. So, again, Ticonderoga. We drove four... No, we drove about six hours to get there. I know, because we couldn't... We kept stopping. And we left it during traffic time. And we did. The whole we thing. did. So it took us about six hours to get there. But, yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, I posted pictures on Twitter but um, and, and our Instagram. So, um, yeah, it was a total recreation of the original series sets. Yes. And not just the sets, but the layout of the studio where they filmed. The way everything fits together. Incredible. In, stri- in unbelievably striking detail. Such yeah. attention to detail. Literally, there's some knobs that they said were um, drink bottle caps, so they mm. found the yep. exact bottle caps they used for those knobs. And I mean, you weren't allowed to touch anything. Some things. Some things, but not everything. Yeah, a few things. We got to sit stand in the catcher tra- chair, which is got huge. to stand on the transporter pad. Yep. Yep, stand on the transporter pad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I was to use an old. I mean, it's cliche sounding, but. Uh, it was a dream come true. Yeah. I mean, how often is it that something you love on TV growing up and then you can just, you can just insert yourself into that world and it's like, it's real. Yeah. You know what it hit for me? It hit the same part of me that I don't do it as much now, but that likes costuming. Oh yeah. Cause like when I first put on a costume that I've made that, and then like I am, the character that i've yeah. loved for so long it's an incredible feeling but i will say this too like i what i what i learned what i grew to appreciate is you know people like to think that the original series was done on the cheap and in some ways yes it was but it wasn't like that's just because of the budget that they were stricken with right but when you when you examine the props and you hear what the guy is saying that the tour guide is saying that like you know oh, this prop here is just like an old radio that's repainted or something like that. Like, it wasn't that they did things on the cheap. They were they were sort of cutting corners because they needed to use that money for other things. So they just did this, you know. Yeah, and they looked good. That's the right. thing. I mean, they were very convincing. It also helped me to reinforce the idea that, like, you know, as great as it was walking around, I'm just walking around going, like, like this could not be the Enterprise on Discovery. I'm sorry, but you just can't, you just can't do this. I'm I sorry. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the bridge looks so good. The br- the bridge, yes, but every the, the props themselves, like it just has a it still has this very as it would this very 1960s look. And that's, so the so the the doctor can't just use these kind of Art Deco salt and pepper shakers no. to wave over. Here's the thing, though. I watching the show, I never thought for a second that those that. were salt and pepper shakers. Right. Who, well, you know, thing, it did not it it did not destroy my illusion in any way. No, it, it enhanced it. Right, and especially so there were some. It helped me appreciate it more. Yeah, it. there were some really hilarious stories. They were saying how the flashing lights worked. Of course, now it's all probably on like you know whatever. They're just flashing lights. Oh yeah, they the said, flashing lights on the yeah. subway wall. The guy behind. So they yeah. had lights that shone through all the all the like light holes, but right. they had a guy with a piece of plywood that had holes drilled in it. So he would move it from side to side and it would cover some holes and expose others. So right. it looked like they were flashing. And then he said, if you go watch scenes, you can see it starts off really fast. And then as his arms get tired, by the end of the scene, it starts to slow down, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. And also just the idea that behind anything that you see, probably that's moving. There is just a stage hand. Or like the, uh, the bio bed, the one that would, fold up and down yeah he said that there was somebody when you'd see it up like you know um horizontal there was oh. somebody underneath it holding, <laughs> holding it, up. it up yeah so it wouldn't 
Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, wouldn't they come up with a little, like, a stick that would hold it up or something? Well, like, that's that's not insane architectural design. Like, you can easily just... A latch or a click thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. But, again, cost-cutting. That probably would have been 10 bucks that could go toward... Yeah, well, they have a guy else. who has to do something else... Right. Has another job and he's standing around while they're filming. So oh, didn't they it say over with the uh, with the proximity doors that would open up? Yeah. They said NASA called and said, "How'd you do it?" And they're like, yeah. "Oh no, we didn't." This a guy. Yeah, we yell out door and a guy pulls a rope. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "What do you say?" NASA was kind of un. un- yeah, they were less interested in the rest of the conversation. So that's hilarious. That to think that NASA's that dumb. Or was that dumb in the '60s <laughs> to think that you know a Desilu Productions had figured out how to do something NASA could. <laughs> That's... Yeah, because why didn't they call and say, oh my god, how'd you get a ship in space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you found aliens. That's great. Can a television be... production at Desilu Studios somehow figured out how to, yeah. you know, create a project. The thing that I didn't know uh-huh. was the spray bottle thing. Yeah. McCoy had spray bottles. Yeah. I didn't know that those were new at the time. Right. Because they looked to the World's Fair, so goofy. And he's like, he's the guy said he bought like 10 of them. Yeah, because they were brand new, and, yeah. and now they just look like he has Windex bottles behind So him. many of the things that you saw in that are, like, common household devices now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable. The thing that I liked, and I feel like the, uh, some of the, that I kind of got a laugh at, and I feel like some of the, because uh, we weren't the only ones who were there, there were other people on the tour as well. Yes. Some older people who I may assume either watched it in first run, or, like, was sort of the first generation of Trekkies. So when we were in sick, remember the guy would like the tour guy would occasionally just kind of throw out trivia questions at you. Yeah, at us all. When we were in sick bay and McCoy had the mount on the wall with all the ancient medical instruments. Oh yeah. Remember that? Oh yes, that was good. You got the question right. And he said, "There's only one person never used one. Who ever used one? Who was it?" And I said, "Oh." And I jumped in. And I was like, "Oh, I be- it's Khan." Hmm. And then I said, "I believe he picked up that one." Of course, you would know that. And I could see them sort of like going like, but give me this look almost like, who the fuck is this young millennial who doesn't even know who like, you know, who thinks Discovery is the best Star Trek of all time and doesn't like the original, like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. But yeah. No, um, that's, that's, you know, one you, of them, one of them gave me that look. It's you, like, uh, well, you didn't answer the question, buddy. Yeah. And, um, you're, you're not that, you're not, you're not new to the game of Trek loving. No way. Yeah, it's my MCU. It's my. It's my. Yeah. It is. Uh, age doesn't matter. Age is just a number when it comes to Star Trek. Right. So, um, my other favorite story was so Shatner. Shatner has visited the place multiple times. Yes. And he, he's going back next month apparently to like make them all Thanksgiving dinner. Trexgiving. Yeah. He's gonna fry a turkey in the, the parking lot. I looked at the tickets. So like a thousand dollars, by the way. Um, you want Shatner to cook you a turkey, you're going to pay. <laughs> when you think of it that way, it's not that. That would more than cover his plane ticket out there. Come on. Now. But $1,000, when you put it that way, Shatner's going to take you on a tour of the set of the Enterprise, and then he's going to cook you a turkey? It sounds cheap. No, it doesn't. That sounds expensive. To me. Okay. It's going to cook I you a turkey? It, I would do it for fun. How much does a turkey cost? That's not, that's not the <laughs> issue here. Shatner's going to cook you a turkey. He's not cooking me a whole turkey. He's cooking. I'm having slices of it. Yeah, with him, he's gonna cook it. And like, and like, he doesn't. We won't even talk about Star Trek in a Star Trek convention. This is a, a big deal. Yeah, he's gonna. You think I want to eat turkey with Shatner? Listen to him talk about his horses. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, no, I would do the tour. I'd want to have him take me around. I would want him I, to cook me a turkey. Because I asked, <laughs> I asked the tour guide, I'm like, so when Shatner comes, you just like, you just hand the tour over to him. And he's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I loved the story he told. Because they have the, the various compounds on the wall that Kirk would press the button and call up to the bridge. Uh-huh. And they said, remember they said he would hit it the same way. So he'd hit it with like the back of his, yeah, the, the punch of his fist. And they said, the guy's like, he would give, he gives it his all. Yeah. And, and he like, said the that one for that them... he was in front of, it was like, he like almost broke it. And like the button was loose. He goes, this is because of him. Yeah. He said, because many of the things they have, so one of the things is that it's all original. Yeah, so they actually have, like, the electronics of the same kind of electronics. So he's saying, some of these things are 60, 70, 80 years old. And then here comes Shatner, and he's punching them, and they're all, all the people that are, their job is to, you know, keep Remember, it all like, in good we, working order. Because when you first walk into this place, into, like, the lobby, it's like a, there were, like, props behind glass. Yes, right? the typical and museum setup. It's like, a, yeah. And they had the costumes. Remember, I went to the person behind the counter, yes. and I'm like, "Are these recreations? I was so shocked. And are these because re- they were like unbelievably high quality and just looked really nice." Yes. And I was like, "Are these, um, yeah, well, like, have these been recreated?" No, they're all screen. And she goes, "No, these are all screen one." I'm like, "Yeah, it was remarkable." I was I was really surprised. It was really remarkable, yeah. especially like the the space hippie yeah. clothes. Those were the ones that were most remarkable because when I looked closely, yeah. it was sort of like woven, and it was right. all. Like, it wasn't a pattern. It was all just kind of randomly done. It was, it was so So, cool. yeah. So, behind this glass, these glass panels, are, it's all encased. All of these props. As many as they could get. Mm-hmm. It, it could be all of them, for all I know. Because um, there was a ton back then. The one that stood out... The one that sort of emphasized the... I don't want to say cheapness of it, but the, the corner cutting of it was the, the microphone. Yes. It was with I the medical, it was like a medical instrument, and it was literally a studio microphone with like a with like a was like orange tape around it, and I'm like, yeah, it was and, really like a silver you, microphone with right. silver like ball on the like, end. They made no effort to, and I think you said to me, you're like, I think I said one of us were like, I'm like, why is there a microphone on that? And we were like, I think that's supposed to be a prop. I'm like, yeah, what like a like no like a medical instrument. I'm like, they they made no effort to try to even conceal the fact that it was. Yeah, at least with the radio, they re, they repainted it. Because he's like, remember, he's yeah. like, oh, here are the AM, FM dials. At least they repainted yeah. it. Yeah, well, the salt and this pepper shakers. Like, they got weird-looking salt and pepper shakers. Right. This was like a straight-up, just it's silver just microphone. microphone. With a little doodad stuck on the bottom. a piece of orange tape around it. I'm like, oh. i, I got to find out what episode that was from. Yeah. I can yeah. see abusing it as like a, like, w- like wave it over someone's body. Be like, oh, you're, you're okay. Right. Or something, but right. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? What surprised me was they had, so they had the... The, uh, the hand phasers. Yes. And so the the hand phasers, the, the ones that look like, the one that looks like an actual gun has like a handle and everything. Yeah. I forgot that in the early episodes, because those phasers are normally just gray, like all gray with a, but there was one that was all black with a white handle that appeared like one or two times. And they actually, and they had that one. Which right. Which really surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too because I didn't notice that. I was like, wait, that one doesn't look right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was remarkable. It really was. Oh, and they had the space hippies like round harp with yeah. his the actual screen used one yeah. with his his um oh shirt. The other bit of trivia that I was particularly proud of was the Cuban flag. Remember that? Oh yeah. Because as some may or may not know, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz of I Love Lucy 
Lucille Ball specifically was like instrumental in getting the show made mm-hmm. on the air. Didn't know that she paid for it out of pocket, by the way. Yes. And her Six and, million dollars in today's money. Her and Desi were divorced by that time. And in the um, the set that stood for the recreation room, which also stood for the sometimes conference room, there was a fl- they had they had the they had the was it a federation? Flag? There was two flags. It was a I can't remember if the other one was a federation flag. No, it was a banana. It looked like a banana. And he said, you know what this flag is? I said, nothing. It means nothing. Right. <laughs> and then they had the other one, which was the flag of Cuba. With the Federation. With the Federation thing on Logo it. on the blue triangle. And I don't remember that appearing in an episode, but I, I could just, you know, I, but the tour guide was asking if we knew what country this was from. Mm. And nobody knew. And he said, Cuba. And then he's like, does any, and he had already told us the Lucy thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, does anybody know why it's Cuba? And he was almost surprised that like nobody was answering. And I was like, well, it has to be. If you're talking about like, well, I would assume it has to be Desi Arnaz, right? Yeah. And he's like, yes. Yeah. And he's like, that was sort of the tribute to to Desi Arnaz. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then the trivia question ish that I got right was what he said. Does anybody know we were in the um, Bones' office or not? Like the 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 like exam room or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so between the two panes of wavy glass, they put some things that just look kind of space age. There was a mute for a trum, uh, trombone or a trumpet. Yeah. yeah. And there were these like canisters because they know what this, they know what this might be. And, and I got it. Like the things you have in your kitchen that you put coffee or whatever in or flour. It's a canister. Yeah. So not as exciting, but. It feels good to get. We were the only ones that got trivia questions right at that. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody else. Anybody else got anything? Yeah, that's fun. The thing that also really excited me was um, apparently they said they're trying to was they're trying to buy the building next door. Yeah, to do next generation. The next generation set. sets. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. I hope. That'll yeah. be cool. I asked if they had a time a time frame a timeline on that, and they did not. That'll be that'll be could, the cue to uh, to could, go back. Could be another twenty years. No pun intended. That'll be the cue to go back. The queue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, so I think I thought I read someplace. So you remember in Vegas, Star Trek: The Experience? Yes. They had the Enterprise D bridge. Oh, cool. I think all of those sets that they built, cause they had quarks, they had a couple of other things. Yeah. They weren't destroyed. I no, they're storage. storage. So I think they're getting that bridge. I believe so. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, I even said to the guy, I'm like, all right, when you're done with that, can you maybe do the promenade of DS9? <laughs> yeah, you laugh. Yeah. Um, that's, be, that's, but, that's huge. But, like, yeah. but you know what? I was surprised that like, they're doing quite well. On our tour, there were, what, six other people? Six, seven, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then, but before us, another big group, like 10 or something, came out. After and then there was a big group waiting they, after. So they, it was a holiday weekend. They max, but... them out, they max it out at um, 20, a tour. Okay. Right. But they seem pretty steady. But you got to figure. I don't know if they're open during the week. They very well might be. I didn't look. But you got to figure. So each tour is an hour. They do a tour every single hour. Yeah. Right. One ticket was around fifty, I think. Oh really? I think it was something like that. Oh, I didn't know. That. So think about this. You have what? If if that's the case, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But let's say it is. If it's 50 bucks a ticket for one person, you max out your tour of 20. If you max out every tour, that's literally $1,000 an hour. Yeah. I mean, but uh, they're, I'm sure they're not maxing it out. Between 
It's still pretty good. And though. obviously, it is 20 years of putting this thing together and whatnot. And pe- and, but people but are I, making pilgrimage, like yeah, pilgrimages I mean, out there to go see it. I'm sure people are going a lot further than we did to get there. Yeah. We were fortunate enough. That because it, it, was, it is it was, about a four and a half hour ride, but everything it was, goes well. It was, it was interesting because when I would tell people where I was going, they were like, why is it in like Ticonderoga, New York? <laughs> yeah. People ask me that too. And no. I just said, I think that's just where the guy happened to live. Yeah. I, I, I would assume. But like the fact that it's in, and this is not like a. You know, a, a crack at small town Ticonderoga, New York, New York. But like, no, the fact great. that it's in a small town like that in upstate New York, just over the Vermont border, mm-hmm. and that in that tiny town of I don't know, maybe three thousand people, is able to easily succeed like that. Like, imagine if that thing was in New York City. Oh yeah. Or like, that better is. yet, like. If it was in like Las Vegas or something like that, yeah, right, or Los Angeles. The fact that and you know, and the annual Trek convention is every year in Vegas. So like, if, if the thing say went went to Vegas, oh yeah, it would have a huge spike. People would still go to it anyway in Vegas. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, if there was but, like a better hotel in that town, they could have their own con. It would be amazing. I know they do have their own con, but it's got to be hard because it's limited in space. Yeah, but the fact that it's located there. Mm. And just mm. and the fact that people, Trek fans are going to see it, mm. and it's I think it makes it cooler. Surviving. It's cooler, and I you know I'm sure it's good for the town. It's probably bringing some tourism to the town and everything like that. Yeah. But it also goes to show you the power of the Trek franchise that people are are going to small town New York to visit this thing. Yeah. And just yeah yeah and the fact that it's gotten to the point that it's become so successful. That they can potentially afford to build the next generation sets. Yeah, that shows that yeah they're making some good money, which is fantastic. Who the guy made a live makes a living from it. What was it? He made his money as an Elvis impersonator. Right. I was like, that's still a thing, right? Yeah, and you're like, yeah, it is. I didn't know. I don't know that it would be. I think as I said, I think now most of the work would be at old, we didn't old age him, homes. We didn't meet him, but we saw him. And he we saw him. He was fixing thing. an awning so, or something. So one interesting fact that, lighting. that the tour guide did not go into, which I was kind of disappointed by. So, as you probably know, there were two things, actually, that I didn't go into. So that's, all that set, all that stuff was built because the guy, the Elvis impersonator, used to, they used to make a yeah. fan series out of it. Maybe the CBS in their settlement said they couldn't talk about it. It was originally called Star Trek new voyages and it became star trek phase two and, and when the fan series ends actually you should check this out it actually ends with them transitioning into the motion picture so kirk gets a new uniform and oh, wow. like that, right but they used to make a fan series out of it and it was really good it was like really really well produced and where can one see this youtube so um and he played kirk for a little while and then they changed cast members and whatnot. I don't know. I don't remember how many episodes they did. I think maybe like five, six, seven, or eight episodes. But they they did it as if like the original series got a fourth season. Okay. And they even eventually brought on the character of um, I, forget, I can't remember his name. He was the character in the animated series, the alien who sat in Chekhov's place. Okay. They they CGI'd him in. It was it was pretty sweet. Wow. Um, Eric, I think his name was. Um, but anyway, so that was made as a, that they they used that to make a series yeah. out of it. At the same time, Enterprise was still in production. And when they built the, when they did the Mirror Universe episode, when they rebuilt the bridge of the, I mean, it was supposed to be the Defiant, but it was the same configuration as the Enterprise bridge. They actually, for the helm console, they borrowed from him, from that set, Sulu's um, 
navigation display, the thing that comes up that mm. he looks into, his like heads up display, they borrowed that from him for the Defiance Bridge. Oh wow. Yeah. That's it. They never mentioned that. Yeah. Right. Well, the other interesting thing that I thought when I was thinking about the Enterprise thing, right? So this set took 20 years of people building it. And I'm sure when they built the Defiant for Enterprise, because just because of like the money and the talent that's in Hollywood, yeah. I'm sure it took them like a week. Oh sure, because that's just you well, know. you have to build it quickly, so yeah, you gotta yeah, yeah. and they're just people are just so damn talented at that kind of thing. It's kind of remarkable to think about. Well, I think the I mean the original plans for the original bridge still exist, so yeah, yeah, it's easy to yeah. But I mean, the cool thing was like they with the with the with the set tours like they don't. The way I describe it to people was like they don't treat it like the Enterprise is a real ship, and you know it has four walls. Like it's not like they recreate this feeling that you're on a soundstage, but they, it's not like there's no wall missing for where the cameras would go. Right, which right? gives you a much like better the experience. Bri- the bridge was a full 360. Yes. Because when they would film on the bridge, they would take a section out to get the cameras. Yes, in. but they also did say how they've showed that certain walls, and you could tell because they were like where they connected, you could kind of see the seam, but certain yeah. walls came apart and pulled out right. so that they could film. Yeah, I always said, if you watch the original series, when the camera is trained on Spock at the station, you can sometimes see the edge of his console because that's where they removed the uh, yeah. piece to get the cameras in. Yeah. But I would I would highly recommend, if anybody is able to to go, to definitely check it out. It's definitely like a must-see yes. for all fans. It absolutely is. It yeah. absolutely is. Um, it, it's remarkable. It really is. And the, the, one of the most incredible things also is that they just have the lighting is exactly how you would expect it to be. So, yeah. like, the colored lighting that they would have had while they were filming. So, yeah. it, you feel very much like you are walking into an episode when you walk into it. And the other great thing is that when they show you one of the rooms or the bridge or whatever, he kind of goes in and there's sort of the part where he explains and talks about a bunch of stuff. Then he just kind of lets you walk around and, take and check things out and take yeah. photos and whatnot. He was kind so, of giving me a leery eye, but I was I said to him, like, I'm, I'm waiting for you all to leave so I can then, then take... I, uh, said, yeah. I, I don't want any of you in my phone. Because, yeah... He, yeah, well, yeah. I understood why, because we would go on to the next room, and you'd still be in the last room, and I'm sure yeah. if someone wanted to, and you'd they were nefarious, the they could like, no, try no, to I was, I touch told, things. Because, like, by the third time, I was like, I told him, like, I'm just taking photos. Like, I'm just waiting for you all to... And he's like, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's better to take photos with the more people in there. But, I, uh, couldn't, I couldn't get that on the bridge, though. I, I, I had to have people on the bridge, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, completely remarkable. So, like, a surreal feeling of... You know, you, you're walking you, into the thing you've seen so many times. When we were in the hallway, you wanted to the corridor. You wanted to do the Kirk wall of destruction. <laughs> I wanted to do the Kirk jump on the wall. I was trying to be like, wait, it's gonna be right here, right where we jump. It would have been, cool been cool if there were like two scuff marks on the <laughs> wall. I would like to see. I would pay the thousand dollars just to be able to be in there and ask Shatner about the wall kick. Ask Shatner if you if you and him could fight. Can we? Yeah, <laughs> you were kind of too old for it, so you just kneel down on the ground. I'm gonna give you a wall kick. <laughs> See, I would do the other one that shot that Kirk did. Remember in uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday, I showed you. I go watch this. It's when he, it's when he goes out into the hallway and the guy, the guard jumps at him and he just he grapples onto the top of the door and just like stands oh, yeah. up so the guy, <laughs> so the guy misses him. Because I said to you, I was like, I think that's better than the wall of destruction. I think the wall of destruction. I'm like, because it's just so ridiculous. It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. So that was the other one. Like there were a million ways he could have attacked that person and jumping up. And well, the wall kicking of destruction the wall. was stupid because he got him because. When he did that, he got a little disoriented. Then he got stabbed. I'm like, well, that's your own fucking fault, Kirk. Yeah. Nice going. Nice job. That's why we never saw him try that again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if... I wonder... Yeah, do they, did they have a fight choreographer on that show? Or did they just Probably say, like, not. Shatter, just punch the person? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. I was watching... 
the man trap the other day and Spock was punching somebody with a double fisted thing. And I'm like, this has had to be, why is this like specifically, like everyone punched with a double, everyone did a double fisted punch. Yeah. It wasn't just Kirk. It was, I think it was just the fighting of the day. I don't know. I've never just... saw a double fisted punch anywhere else. <laughs> they don't do that in Bonanza or anything? Or Gunsmoke? <laughs> I don't think so. It hurts. I've tried it. Like, not that yeah, I've especially if you have it. your fingers interlaced, your p- you're going to hurt your, your fingers. Pinky fingers. If you did it like this, maybe it would work. Or like this. Like, nobody can see nobody can see, nobody can see So if you doing. wrap your one hand around the other fist, that might work. But if you yeah. interlace your fingers, you're just going to crush your fingers. Yeah. So make a fist, everybody at home. Take your open palm and put it around the fist, and yeah. maybe that would work. Yeah. But still, it's not as effective probably as just regular punch. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely visit the uh, Star Trek set tour, and I will, uh, you know, sh- I will tag them again when I uh, yeah, put, put a I, link or something. Um, it is fantastic. Plus, you can also go and see Fort Ticonderoga Revolutionary War, where Ethan oh, right, Allen, which we, which we did, yeah, we did that earlier in the day, where Ethan Allen scored we went the first the... victory of the Revolutionary War. We went to the past, and then we went into the future. Yes. Yeah. The future as far as the 60s were concerned. Yes. And what else about there? Oh, then the diner right across the street. So it's such a small town. I don't know where y'all live out there in podcast land. We live in Boston. Boston area. And um, so we were just shocked. An omelet was $3. A burger was like $4. It was not... The prices were a third of what they are. It was funny because when we were getting ready to leave... The word I used, I was like, "Yeah, you know, we'll find like some luncheonette up there or something." Like that. And that's exactly what we found. <laughs> and the sign actually said luncheonette, and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." And it was a classic old diner with the booths that are like that, like hadn't been updated since like 1958. Yeah, the, yeah. the stools are you know like bolted into the ground. I don't remember the name of it, but it's I don't remember the name of it, but it's yeah, right yeah. across the street from yeah. the uh, from the uh, set door. It's something luncheonette. In fact, actually, I could tell you because I took a I, picture of the menu. I took a picture of the receipt. Because I could not believe how cheap it was. Um, and let's see. Burleys is the name of the place. Burleys. Burleys. Nice. Yeah. Um, it was quite good. Yeah. It was nice. Oh, and I made this observation. So when the when we paid our bill, you know, I picked up the uh, tab. It was 1966. And I was like, oh, the year the truck came on the air. Nice. Very how fitting. Serendipitous. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, oh wait, wait. Okay, ready? Yeah. Uh, omelet three fifty. Berlay's luncheonette. Um, we're giving the lunch. Two eggs and toast, three dollars. Had we gotten the same meal here in Boston, it would have been twice as much. Yeah, burger three fifty for a burger. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Ground beef here doesn't even cost cost more than that. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly, two dollars. Tuna melt, four seventy five. They have peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Oh, I should have got that. It's funny. Two dollars is actually strangely the same price that a peanut butter and jelly is at um, Whole Foods. So that one's not that. What did I get? You got a I don't know. Tuna melt. No, I did not get a tuna melt. <laughs> did you get a grilled cheese? No, the grilled cheese I got. Now we're really in garbage time. <laughs> The grilled cheese and ham I got on the way there. Oh yeah, I got uh, I got uh, something with chicken sandwich. I definitely got sweet potato fries. Yeah, me too. Those are good. Did I get? I may have gotten buffalo tenders. That's about right. Those are your, the the Kevin kind of the kinda the, rec- the receipt doesn't tell me. The receipt just has prices on it. Yeah. Well, so, anyway, I'm sure they don't want to know what we eat for lunch. 
So, that would be a good point to wrap it up. Yes. So, um, the next uh, episode we'll do is when they... is So, on November 14th, we have another short trek called Ask Not. And then on December 12th, we have another one. We have two more called uh, The Girl Who Made the Stars and A Frame and Dot. E-Frame? I don't know. And then January 9th um, is one called Children of Mars. And I, the Children of Mars one. Ephraim. Ephraim, I'm sorry. And Dot. Uh, Ephraim and Dot. And then... Those are James, Gen- by the way. Yeah. So Dorothy, I guess. And then um, on January 9th is Children of Mars, which is a prequel to set up the events of Picard, which comes out on January 23rd. Oh. Yeah. Fascinating. So. All right. Um, yeah, I think... Um, doings. Yeah, so what we'll probably do is um, maybe record um, an episode reviewing Ask Not and the two that come out on December 12th to review those three. And then maybe we'll wait to review Children of Mars, the prequel short trek. We'll do that the same day we do the first episode of Picard. Yeah, it'll be like unless a, you want to do a pre-Picard. We could do that too. We'll see what happens. Pre-Picard speculation. We can watch that. Because then we'll have some info to speculate on. So we'll yeah, and I, I don't know if between now and then, you know, maybe they'll release another trailer, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've still got, we've still got, um, today's October 22nd. We still have like three months almost to the day until the show comes out. So we still have a little while we go. Yeah. So. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll, the spirit will move us to do some other random. But in between that time, season two of Discovery will become will be available on Blu-ray. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also worth mentioning that I would definitely love to do an episode um, focusing on lower decks because I don't think we haven't really discussed that and just kind of Trek animated in general because I think it's worth talking about the animated oh, yeah. series and plus we could maybe discuss that new animated series book that's just come out. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I think if we, I wouldn't want to talk about lower decks so we know something, right? Because otherwise it's pure speculation. But I would like to look at the animated series. I definitely, but I, I will say I definitely feel like lower decks is not getting. I feel like it's not getting enough attention. Yeah, and I think that might just be the promotion cycle and how it's like. I know all they the promote the on, next thing. And all then, the focus is on Picard right now. Yeah, and then there'll be a down period, and then they'll focus on. That. Yeah, because I think the way it's going to work is Picard comes out next. Discovery is definitely coming out in 2020. I, I think I think season three of Discovery will be ready around the time Picard ends. It'll probably be a few months in between, but I think it's going to be out, I'm going to predict around springtime, late winter, early spring of 2020, season three. And then um, 20, and then probably lower decks after that. 2020 is going to be a good year for Trek. Oh, There's going to yeah, be a lot yeah. of it coming out. So Yeah. And also we were considering doing a 10th anniversary of the... J.J. Abrams and a 40th and the, anniversary of motion picture. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have to. Yeah, maybe do a dual episode because they're both like the first of an era. Era. That's a very good point. That is an excellent point. Yeah, I'm into that. Cool. All right. Well, thank you out there, and if you want to tweet at us where you are when you listen, let us know. Oh yeah, or email us when we've only gotten one email for somebody that does that. Yeah. No, two. Oh, we, we, Somebody said they were shoveling. Oh, yes. And the other person said when they make their morning co- Sunday morning coffee or something. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So if you can do more of that. Yeah, we like to know what's going on. Well, up you're there. more interested now than I am. Podcast. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm more interested in it than you. You are more interested in it. I am. Just like, as long yeah. as I'm listening, that's okay. all I care about. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. I like, you know. I mean, if you want to what... listen while you're having sex, that's fine, too. That's weird. No, it's not fine. No, it's whatever you want to do. Go for it. I would love to hear about that, because that would be interesting. Yeah. Not in, like, a pervy way, just it would be interesting mm-hmm. to know that something's new. Yeah. And then, yeah. We do have uh, All right. sultry voices. Well, we might actually, it. so really, before I say it, what we might want to do is when we, if we do a motion picture one, they've also released the, re-released the novelization for the motion picture. If we do it, we have to do the intro. We have to do the intro. Okay, yes. Yeah. That's available on Kindle, so maybe we should, maybe I'll just pick that up this evening. So there's an Amazon plug. Yeah, sure. Give us money. Whatever. <laughs> All right, we'll see you everybody soon. Bye.